Section two of the Roman Triumvirates by Charles Merivale. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Pamela Nagami. Chapter one: The reaction against Sulla's legislation. Rise of Pompeius. Part two. The lead of the senatorial party had now fallen to Quintus Lutatius Catullus and Marcus Aemilius Lepidus the heads of two of the oldest and noblest families of rome the election of these chiefs to the consulship for the year 676 of the city b c 78 seemed to secure for a time the ascendancy of the nobles and the maintenance of sulla's oligarchical constitution bequeathed to their care the death of the retired dictator which occurred in the course of the same year was felt perhaps as a relief by the party which he had oppressed with his protection but there were divisions within the party itself which seemed to seize the opportunity for breaking forth lepidus was inflamed with ambition to create a faction of his own and imitate the career of the usurpers before him he had served as an officer under sulla and had attached to himself a portion of the army his marriage with the daughter of the tribune saturninus had connected him with the party of marius he had formed relations with the young pompeius through whose influence he had acquired the consulship but whose power he now affected to slight on the death of sulla he had spoken disparagingly of the dictator's services and threatened to tamper with his enactments but he had miscalculated his strength pompeius disavowed him and lent the weight of his popularity and power to the support of catullus and the senate hoped to avert an outbreak by engaging both the consuls by an oath to abstain from assailing each other during the remainder of his term of office lepidus refrained from action but as soon as he reached his province the narbonensis in gaul he developed his plans summoned to his standard the marians who had taken refuge in great numbers in that region and invoked the aid of the italians with the promise of restoring to them the lands of which they had been dispossessed by sulla's veterans with the aid of marcus junius brutus who commanded in the cisalpine he made an inroad into etruria and called upon the remnant of its people who had been decimated by sulla to rise against the faction of their oppressors the senate now thoroughly alarmed charged catullus with its defence the veterans restless and dissatisfied with their fields and farms crowded to the standard of pompeius two roman armies met near the milvian bridge a few miles to the north of the city and lepidus received a check which was again and again repeated till he was driven to flee into sardinia and there perished shortly afterwards of fever pompeius pursued brutus into the cisalpine but the senate was satisfied with the defeat and death of the first movers of the revolt and abstained from vindictive measures against their followers the councils of catullus one of the most honourable of the roman leaders were always moderate and magnanimous the temper of lepidus on the other hand had been vain and selfish he betrayed the party from which he had sprung and violated the oath he had taken to it 
his birth and station had inspired him with empty hopes which he had neither talents nor influence to realize his enterprise was feeble and ill-concerted and seems to have been precipitated by petulant vexation at the resistance of the senate the wariest of the marian faction refrained from entangling themselves in it their cause lost nothing by his death the remnant of his troops was carried over to spain by perperna and there swelled the forces of an abler leader of the same party quintus sertorius this chief by birth a sabine had served under marius against the cimbri and in later campaigns in spain had made himself popular with the natives of that province he had kept himself free from the stain of the proscriptions and this was now held as a merit by both the rival parties in the state on the triumph of sulla he had retired from italy and while he despaired of restoring the fortunes of the marians at home had sought to fortify an asylum for them among the yet untamed inhabitants of the western peninsula the iberians flocked around him with vague aspirations but sulla sent his lieutenant aeneas in pursuit of him and drove him across the sea into mauritania as the brave but unsuccessful champion of a long depressed cause sertorius assumed a somewhat mythical character in the traditions of his party it was currently reported that despairing of the fortunes of the marian faction he had meditated a retreat to the islands of the blest in the bosom of the atlantic but in fact he was driven to no such extremity making himself allies among the people of africa he defeated the roman army under one of sulla's lieutenants the lusitanians summoned him again to their aid the western tribes of the peninsula rose and flocked to his standard the sullen party in spain was commanded by metellus a weak and irresolute leader the dictator's abdication and death discouraged his followers meanwhile sertorius acted with promptness and vigour again and again he routed his opponents he proclaimed the independence of the iberian people and organized a free state among them with an originality of conception to which roman history offers no parallel if our accounts are to be trusted he conceived the bold idea of educating the youth of spain in the manners of the romans and constituting a rival republic in the west to balance the conquests of his countrymen beyond the adriatic but the spirit of italy if not of rome was still it seems too strongly rooted in his breast for so monstrous a treason when pompeius arrived bringing with him a strong reinforcement of exiles from italy his plans insensibly changed he regarded himself once more as the head of a national party he placed the interests of his marian followers in the foreground and treated the natives of the land as allies or subjects when mithridates sought to concert with him a combined attack upon the centre of the roman government from the east and from the west proposing the alliance as he said of a new pyrrhus with a new hannibal no child of a ruling race no lord of humankind could brook a union so shocking and he declared that he would never suffer a barbarian to set foot on roman soil such at least was the legend of sertorius in the imagination of his roman followers 
the new chief of the marians stood in need of all the aid they could give of all the glory with which they could encircle him the senate took the full measure of his prowess and sent their brave young general pompeius to replace the worn-out veteran metellus yet pompeius found the encounter both difficult and hazardous he contended with sertorius in many engagements in one of which on the banks of the sucro he would have suffered grave disaster but for the opportune assistance of metellus pompeius was reduced to act on the defensive while he called upon the senate for ampler succours in this strait he was relieved more by the defects of his opponent's policy than by any vigour or ability of his own sertorius it seems became inflated with the glory of his unexpected successes he began to despise the simple people whom he had deceived by pretending to supernatural powers training a milk-white hind to follow him and affecting to consult it as a familiar spirit when his roman followers quarrelled with their spanish auxiliaries he sacrificed his new to his older adherents and even permitted the massacre of the children of their chiefs whom he had kept as hostages under pretence of educating them from this time there was no union between the diverse elements of his power he enjoyed no security even from the intrigues of his roman lieutenants perperna raised a mutiny in his camp and effected his assassination but this upstart lacked ability to maintain the post he had seized pompeius with fresh forces resumed the attack speedily overcame his adversary and put him to death the chief of the senatorial party now filled the province with his steadfast adherents and organized the peninsula as a fortress of the roman oligarchy returning to the city through the south of gaul he confirmed the narbonensis and the provincia in their allegiance to the same dominant faction and secured to its interests the whole of the roman dominions of the west b c seventy one the senate exulted in the solid conquest which it had thus effected and accorded to its champion yet young and unennobled the honour of a triumph in which metellus was allowed to participate as a tribute to his rank rather than as a reward for his services pompeius had thus recovered a great province for the republic at the moment when it seemed on the point of being lost through the inefficiency of one of the senatorial chiefs another leader of the dominant party was about to yield him another victory a war was raging in the heart of italy a body of gladiators had broken away from their confinement at capua under the head of spartacus a thracian captive had seized a large quantity of arms and had made themselves a retreat or place of defence in the crater of mount vesuvius there they had gathered around them the fugitive slaves and banditti of the district and had assumed an attitude of open defiance to the government the troops of the republic had been directed against them they had defeated the praetor gaius clodius and strengthened themselves with additional succours the veterans of sulla quartered in central italy were restless and threatened to quit the farms of which they were weary and rush to the plunder of the cities in the course of three years the forces of spartacus had increased to forty thousand 
or according to some writers even to one hundred thousand men he had sacked some of the principal places in campania and rendered himself virtually master of the southern half of the peninsula but the native races of italy shrank from the contact of slaves and brigands and when he found that he could not raise a national revolt against rome he knew that his cause was desperate and exhorted his followers to employ all their strength in bursting the barrier of the alps and dispersing themselves among the northern provinces from which they had been for the most part drawn meanwhile his tumultuous bands were intoxicated with their successes and ravenous for further plunder they continued to ravage the country on all sides the consuls were directed to lead the legions against them but were ignominiously defeated in b c seventy two in the absence of pompeius in spain and of lucullus in the east marcus crassus was the most prominent among the chiefs of the party in power this illustrious noble was a man of great influence acquired more by his wealth for which he obtained the surname of dives than for any marked ability in the field or in the forum but he had a large following of clients and dependents who helped to raise him to the first place in the city and who now swelled the cry for placing a powerful force under his orders and entrusting to his hands the deliverance of italy the brigands themselves were becoming demoralized by lack of discipline crassus drove them before him to the extremity of the peninsula at Regium they bargained with a fleet of Cilician pirates for a passage into Sicily, but they were betrayed and disappointed by these treacherous allies, and Spartacus could only save a remnant of them by furiously breaking through the lines of his assailants. This brave gladiator was still formidable, and it was feared that Rome itself might be exposed to his desperate attack. The Senate, sent importunate messages to recall both pompeius and lucullus to its defence crassus on his part bitterly regretting the supineness with which he had suffered the enemy to escape from his own hands to fall into the hands of his rivals exerted himself to anticipate their return he confined spartacus to the mountains but was still unable to reduce him the conqueror of sertorius had completed the pacification of spain he hastened back to italy traversed the country with speed and took from crassus the forces with which he had failed to secure the victory spartacus had now become an easy prey and the laurels were quickly won with which pompeius was honoured by his partial countrymen crassus was deeply mortified and the senate itself might feel some alarm at the redoubled triumphs of a champion of whose loyalty it was not secure but the senatorial party had yet another leader and a man of more ability than crassus at the head of another army the authority of pompeius in the western provinces was balanced in the east by that of lucius licinius lucullus who commanded the forces of the republic in the struggle which she was still maintaining against mithridates the power of rome both in greece and asia had been in jeopardy for many years under the attacks with which it had been assailed by the brave and politic king of pontus stunned by the blows he had received from sulla this indomitable asiatic 
had risen again and defied the valour and discipline of the legions but the existence of so formidable an enemy had furnished the senate with an excuse for maintaining an immense force in the eastern provinces and putting it under the command of the ablest general it could select from its own ranks to be a bulwark of his party as well as of the commonwealth lucullus who had been deputed to this important post was held in high repute as an officer at the same time that his wealth birth and talents gave him an eminent position in civil affairs he had obtained the consulship in the year seventy four during the progress of the war with sertorius he had quitted the city when the tribunes with the support of the other consul cotta were moving the abrogation of the sullen or cornelian laws and had undertaken the command of the large army which sulla had left in the east as an instrument for maintaining the ascendancy of the oligarchical government lucullus was faithful to his party but he was content to serve its interests at a distance from the centre of civil strife he was well acquainted with the theatre of events in the east having acted as an officer under sulla in some previous campaigns and having distinguished himself for activity and military prowess he had then followed his chief to rome but had arrived there after the era of the proscriptions so that his popularity with the citizens was not affected by the stain of bloodshed he was a man of refined tastes which had suffered no debasement from the rude manners of the camp he professed a taste for letters and cultivated the greek manners which in a few superior natures at least were beginning to elevate the roman character to its highest pitch of combined gracefulness and vigour in every respect lucullus was worthy to assume the chief place in the direction of the senatorial party and it might be expected that by the command of the most powerful division of the national armies he would secure to that party the continuance of its authority the military successes of lucullus fully justified the choice of the government mithridates had recovered from the check he had recently received and though his advances for aid to tigranes the powerful king of armenia met with a cold reception he had been enabled to recruit his forces and carry his arms through the regions of bithynia and phrygia and had encamped before chalcedon opposite to the coast of thrace here he was besieging the roman general cotta and though his troops were for the most part commanded by greek officers he was ill provided with the materials or the skill for reducing a well-fortified and well-defended citadel lucullus relinquishing the easy task of overrunning the provinces which the invader had left behind him determined to succour the garrisons still in his front and succeeded by skilful and cautious manoeuvres in reducing the cumbrous host of his opponent to straits by famine while he refused to encounter it in open battle chalcedon was relieved mithridates withdrew from before it but only to make another attack upon the stronghold of Cyzicus. here again lucullus adopted his previous tactics and here too he compelled the enemy to abandon his position after suffering serious losses b c seventy three the king of pontus effected his own escape by sea leaving his army to be harassed and finally routed he was now driven to take refuge with the king of armenia 
Thither Lucullus followed him, but not till he had devoted himself to the restoration of the Roman power throughout the Lesser Asia, and had placed the inhabitants under a milder rule than that which they had lately endured at the hands of the Roman officials. He was animated by an honest sense of justice, and the check he put upon the fiscal tyranny of the government made him many enemies both in the province and in the city. The Senate began to find that however successful their general might be in the field, his civil administration was calculated to weaken rather than to confirm their ascendancy. At the same time, the party of the Knights and of the Commons was steadily regaining its due weight in the councils of the Republic. The people, encouraged underhand by Pompeius, by Crassus, and by other chiefs in whom the Senate had hitherto confided, were bent upon restoring the powers of the tribunate and overthrowing the institutions of the late dictator. The support which the Senate now gave to Lucullus was more lukewarm than at first, but he had by this time established his authority throughout the province and continued to carry out his plans for the slow but effectual suppression of all opposition both at home and abroad. The kingdom of Armenia, under Tigranes III, was at the height of its power when Clodius, the brother-in-law of Lucullus, then serving under him, was dispatched to the royal residence at Tigranocerta to demand the surrender of Mithridates. Tigranes had broken the rival monarchy of Parthia, from which the Greek dynasty of the Seleucids had previously been expelled. He had wrested from it the northern districts of Mesopotamia, and had taken vigorous measures for increasing the wealth of his people by engaging many intelligent Greeks and Syrians in his service. He was the most powerful despot of the East. His court was attended by a crowd of vassal princes, and four kings, it was said, ran beside his chariot. He had assumed the title of King of Kings, born of old by the despots of Persia, which the Parthian monarch pretended to inherit from them. He had condescended to receive Mithridates as a suppliant, though when in power the king of Pontus had given him scanty support. It was thus that the Romans were enabled to deal with the two greatest powers of Asia separately and in detail. Lucullus could act both with boldness and caution. In the campaign on which he now entered, vigor and promptitude were essential. The capital of Armenia was well defended by its position among the mountains, and the length and severity of its winter season. It was necessary to strike once for all. Lucullus had a small but well-trained and well-appointed army of veterans. Tigranes surrounded and encumbered himself with a vast cloud of undisciplined barbarians, the flower of whom consisted of seventeen thousand mailed cavalry, however formidable in appearance, made but a feeble resistance to the dint of the Roman spear and broadsword. When their ranks were broken, they fell back upon the inert masses behind them and threw them into hopeless confusion. Tigranes made his escape with dastardly precipitation. A bloody massacre ensued, the Romans losing, as was pretended, five men only, while of the enemy, one hundred thousand, we are told, were left dead on the field. In the following year, Lucullus advanced his posts still further eastward. 
he intrigued with the king of parthia to withdraw him from his alliance with the enemies of the republic and when he hesitated threatened to advance into his territories beyond the tigris but a spirit of discontent or lassitude had crept over his own soldiers his lieutenants were dissatisfied with the share of plunder allocated to them the civil officials of the province were disgusted at the equity with which he had curtailed their unrighteous gains he was constrained to withdraw from the siege of ardazata the furthest stronghold of tigranes on the banks of the araxes and after crowning his victories with a successful assault upon nisibis he gave the signal for retreat leaving the destruction of mithridates still unaccomplished meanwhile the brave proconsul's enemies were making head against him at rome the faction of the knights who demanded all the profits of the civil government in the provinces had acquired fresh power under the patronage of pompeius and from the stain which had been recently cast on their opponents by the misconduct of verres praetor of sicily the command in the eastern provinces was about to be taken from the victorious imperator whose only demerit was the spirit with which he had repressed official tyranny and revived the hopes and happiness of the provincials End of section two